Thanks for tuning in, guys. You're listening to Ace Comicals. I'm Greg Driver. I'm joined by Rahul Johnny and Leon Everett. Let's go. Comicals episode 100. That's right. There's a hundred of these things now. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sort of a hundred. Let's just, let's, let's stick yeah. with saying it's a hundred. It's not quite a hundred. This 100. is the official 100th episode. That official has, 100. That has like, you know, all the, all the different variant covers. One for each guest we've had, you know, <laughs> kind of stuff. And uh, is this the big event issue of someone going to die? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the end of this episode, someone will be dead. <laughs> Please let it be me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Um, so yeah, we've we've done a hundred of these things now, and I'm quite proud of that actually. I I, you know, we made it to a hundred. I mean, it's it's a bi-weekly podcast, and how many years have we been doing this now? Since 2016. It's almost four years. Yeah, um, almost four years. On this on this run with with this creative team. We started in was it February twenty seventeen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's almost four years. It will be four years next February, which is mad. Mm. And uh, look how far we've come. We've been uh, we've been getting previews of stuff. We've been like getting to talk about the things that we love, the comics that we love. And I've I've gone like way deeper into comics fandom as a result of this. Like I I started out like as a comics fan, but now I'm a comics fan. Like (laughs) (laughs) comics, comics is life now. And I love it. I love that. I get to spend so much time in pages of comics and like that. I have this deeper understanding of comics as a, as a, an art form now as well, which is really cool. Like that's something that I've gotten out of this is this, like this deeper understanding of comics as an art form and this, this understanding of history of comics and everything else. And it's just like, the more I do this, the more I appreciate comics, the more I love comics. And we were going to try and pick like a favorite episode each from this or something that we've learned as well. But like, I'm just going to preface this by saying now. So the whole idea was that we were going to like pick one comic from the back catalog of 100 episodes um, that we that is our favorite thing to have talked about and the best thing that we talked about or maybe one thing that we have learned or gained through doing 100 episodes of ace comicals but like for me it was like so difficult to pick one favorite episode like i really do love everything i choose to cover or talk about on this cast in its own way like i actively do not talk about things i don't like and my two co-hosts will attest to this that outside the cast <laughs> I will bag on comics left right and center but I will never talk about them on this cast because I feel like that's just like there's no point in doing that there's no point in in being in in using the 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 pl- the platform that we have negatively in that way uh, in my opinion and I, I, I think you you're like speaking from a point of like something that you absolutely hated and not things yeah. that you're yeah ha- had pluses and minuses or or like you're a bit iffy on but things that you absolutely uh, absolutely detest yeah because i i want this cast to be like a, i want this to be a positive thing and a positive force you know for people so i'm not going to talk about something that i can't be positive about 
I quite admire that because that's a very yeah. different philosophy on what I enjoy critiquing and the way that I do it. But like, I've always admired that about how you you've always tried to find like the best in something in in the comics that you review. And you, like like you say, you, there's not a lot that you don't like. You choose not to talk about on the cast. Like we, you, you say that there's loads of comics you bag on, you know, behind closed doors. But that's I don't think that's necessarily true. I think you you find value in a lot of different things, and that's that's pretty cool. Like it shows. Not just like a positive outlook, which I admire in general, but like being able to find the best in something, especially when people have put their time and effort and you know creative talents into something. And that's, I don't know, I quite I I I look up to that philosophy, well, and it's it's not one that I particularly share all the time, but it's one that I do sometimes strive more towards because it's easy to be negative, but it's difficult to be positive and then speak on positivity. So. A well, good, thank good you. job on that. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. Because I always feel like I'm like in real life. I feel like I'm I'm like the eternal pessimist sometimes. Like I'm a, I'm I'm told many a time by many a people around me that I'm a glass half empty kind of guy. Yeah, but then you're channeling it into yeah. the thing that you love, right? Like that's yeah. the, that was part of the reason we started this as well. And it's kind of nice to look back on it and see, you know, a hundred or two hundred, three hundred hours into this endeavor or whatever it is. Like you've you've achieved that goal in that sense. Like you found yeah. something to to put that positivity into. And like before we get f- too far into it, the one thing I want to say up top about you know looking back on a, a century of episodes is it's hard to it's really hard to do anything consistently and like maintain a certain standard and like find the energy for it as well. And like that that is such an achievement to have. Like you're the, you know, you're the um, the keystone in this whole thing. You're the one who's been on every single recording. You're the one who's been on, I think, bar maybe one or two. Unlike myself, who I've had to drop out of quite a few. You've been consistently there, putting your time and energy and enthusiasm into this. And like, even if it was bad, which it's not, <laughs> I think I think we do pretty decent work here. But even if it was bad, like that would be an achievement unto itself. Like just maintaining something for three, four years is is wild. And like I applaud all of us, but especially you yeah. for that. And well, I wouldn't be able to do it without you guys because I, I I can't have conversations with myself. So <laughs> actually, on a few episodes, you have done so. Yes, I have. <laughs> yes. Well, that's not me. That's that's the loft dweller. But yeah, um, he's someone else that I get yeah, out every true. Halloween and dust off. <laughs> uh, but yeah um so yeah i'm 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 glad to have made it to episode 100 and yeah thank you for being there with me guys and, and doing this with me and be my awesome co-host because like without you guys i don't think i think you guys have like pushed this as well as i do so without you guys i wouldn't be doing this like without having the push kind of thing and other people that i can shout at about comics <laughs> And everything and I else, think, like, I need you guys with me on this, like, kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, because I think one of, I mean, one of the things at the start why I wanted to commit to doing this um, was that I wanted to facilitate uh, you to have this outlet. Um, and even in a situation where, like, Comics is a thing, as we said, like earlier on the beginning episodes, that I've uh, been a fan and read diligently most of my life with some gaps here and there. But um, in terms of like analysis or reviewing or 
any type of like crypt it's just not my wheelhouse uh whereas something like film and tv i'm way more comfortable uh dissecting those because mm-hmm. i've got all the language and just the experience to be able to confidently talk about those and at the beginning it was a thing where the sort of drive and push was definitely oh cool i'm going to use this as an uh, uh, as an excuse to keep up with some keep up with uh, new comics but also dive back into the past and sort of work that muscle but it was also i want to support uh, like greg's baby and uh, keep this going and i think one of the beneficial things there has been because especially in like at the at the beginning so if couple, say a couple months in, which is the key point where a lot of things can just crumble because everyone's too busy, and then we're like, oh, we'll just leave it another week then, and then and then it just ends mm. up where you keep delaying it, and then the thing ends. A lot of that, if it was just me doing a thing, uh, it would have died because uh, I would have stopped it for a month or so, and it would have died. So, when, but like having it be a thing where oh, I can't let down Greg, I can't let down Ryan. <laughs> It's mm. been a thing where I think each of us have ha- had that to a yeah. degree. Yeah. Where the show must go on. So we've sort of at times had to shuffle, reshuffle things, bend over backwards, whatever, just so we could hit that hit that episode. And it's not like uh, it was a work thing or or it's a thing where uh, the millions of listeners we can't we can't let them down. But it was like a commitment to be consistent with a thing and. Yeah, it feels quite nice to be able to just look back and 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 we've done like a hundred plus episodes, and yeah. they're all there. It didn't fade away. It didn't. Uh, we didn't. It didn't like pitter out, and then we all ended up doing our own thing. Like, oh, remember when we were doing that that podcast? And like, it, it's an in joke just in life about dudes coming together to do podcasts, and it's <laughs> like it's because people have so many opinions, but. Uh, like it's what you what you do with those, and uh, it feels quite nice that we've sort of built this this thing mm. together and yeah. and kept it going and and supported each other the the whole time. And uh, yeah. like and... because of that, um, like uh, I think it's been nice to meet up meet other uh, people in the field, uh, make friends with some creators, uh, but also. I've just been exposed to so much more like comics and graphic novels over these last couple of years than I would have done uh, had we not been doing this. So that's been really nice as well. Yeah, it's uh, it, we we've done this and we've kept it going ad free. Um, we've kept it going like this is this is all like with like no no outside support almost. It's just like we've kept it going ourselves, like pure DIY, which I love the most because it's that that like that punk ethos thing that like is, is something that really appeals to me as you guys probably know um mm. but like the whole like um the diy thing and whatever and it's like it, i guess in pre-podcast times it wouldn't have been let's start a podcast it would have been like let's start a zine or let's start a band wouldn't it like that that's mm. the 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 in the the band would have petered out because people would have stopped turning up to practices or whatever else. But yeah, it's that similar thing. And it, it we've kept it going with that kind of like that DIY ad free, like, and I'm quite proud of that as well, that we've, I, we've done this ourselves 
and like without outside support and whatever else that we've just like worked on it and we do we do all the editing ourselves we do all the like everything ourselves and it's really cool and I'm really proud of that part of it that we we've come together to do that and like the thing that I guess that I love the most about this is that I get to share my love of comics and joy with comics with everyone else like so I get to share this with with you guys I get to share this with the listeners and I get to recommend people things like and and people read these things I talk about and they enjoy them they read the things we talk about and they enjoy them and 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 we we have the power to put smiles on the faces of other people in that way and like we can hold this little lamp up in these pitch black times of 2020, like however dim that lamp may be and however small the number of people the light reaches is, it reaches someone. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's all about that basically. Like even if no one's listening, if one person's listening, the right people are listening, you know? So there we go. Yeah. I, I, episodes of Ace Comicals. I mean, just to, to add one thing on top of that, cause I think, I think that's a really valid point like if the light reaches someone that's that's you know that's the thing we were striving for but also for me on a very personal level it felt uh, sometimes it was a lot like you know what to, to what leon was saying earlier like we can't let greg down or we can't let you know the other our teammates down it was also a thing of like you know when you you agree to go to a party and then on the day you kind of don't want to do it but you're like i promised you know i said i would turn up so i'm gonna do it and like squash down my um my phobia of social situations or whatever and then you do it and then you find that once you're there it's fine like i got a lot of that from doing this podcast because sometimes it felt it felt like i had to um put effort into reading a thing that i didn't have the energy for at the time but once i started i refound that love and once i started talking to you guys it became so easy and like ev- like i had that feeling over and over and over again and i've noticed over the last few years that feeling has diminished and not just towards the comic but towards the way i live my life in general like not not letting myself be burdened by the thing of which looking back possibly just laziness like not wanting to commit energy to a thing like i feel like that's affected how i work and how i put my effort into you know study and stuff like that so i think in some ways i i owe a lot to this for maybe just changing my outlook on how i how i live my life and like mm. i i owe that to you guys and that's that's really cool yeah man well i want to say thanks to you two anyway uh for helping me keep this going and being <laughs> my ever diligent co-hosts so thank you um did did you i know you didn't uh, rahul did you have a favorite episode or favorite comics that you've read during this time I, I i was thinking about this i think my favorite episode is so i've got a couple so there's like there's the obvious big ones like where we we got in so Watchmen the the Watchmen uh, TV series that was a great episode Into the Spider Verse where we were just gushing about how much we love Into the Spider Verse um, and Avengers Endgame where we were just like gushing about these event movies those ones are standouts for me but those that, I feel like that's kind of obvious but I was on reflection and I was going through episode by episode just seeing what we talked about and I think actually my favorite one might be Spider Man Reign. Because I hated that comic, and I had so much fun, like <laughs> finally having like an argumentative discussion with Greg, and like we don't do that that often. Like we don't always see eye to eye, but we're never on 
complete polar opposite ends of a thing. And Spider-Man Rain was like, I just couldn't, I couldn't find it in myself to agree with you. And I had to have the last word. And I went back and listened to it. And that was, that was such a fun episode to record. I, I think that's mine. That's my pick. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's anything for me, it, it tends to, it's going to be like anything where I get to, um, like, I don't, I don't like, I couldn't pick a favorite episode, but I'm going to say the Ghostbusters comics I've covered have been my favorites because of how good they make me feel as a Ghostbusters fan. And this is mm. the same with the TMNT comics as well. And getting to get super nerdy about it because I know someone somewhere is listening and discovering this stuff because we turned them onto it. Like, and getting to get super nerdy about Ghostbusters and Turtles, like getting into that deep <laughs> TMNT knowledge and getting to talk about it. Because, like, if I talk about it anywhere else other than this podcast, people are going to roll their eyes. <laughs> so <laughs> it's nice to be able to get well into it like that. But, yeah. How about you, Leon? Did you have one? Yeah, I would say that... Um, yeah, because you mentioned a couple of episodes... Um, and a lot of those would be like among some of my favorites. Mm. Um, and it is, I guess, maybe those are cheating because a lot of those are like adaptations of comic book stuff. And it is like my aforementioned like wheelhouse more. Yeah. I think uh, one of my favorites and possibly my, my favorite to record um, was probably the episode we did, episode 48, the one that was about Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yeah, uh, hmm. I uh, I found that episode to be really fun to record because it's an episode that sort of evolved as we were doing it, um, and we had uh, Vicky Madden on, friend of the show, uh, uh, horror maestro, Doctor uh, Vicky Madden. Now, yes, yes, I put, mm-hmm. some, put some respect on her name, definitely. <laughs> um, and like that was one of the earlier episodes, twenty eighteen, where. The like sometimes, especially early on, you can have your notes and stuff, and you've got a point that you want to like get across, or you you, you want to like you're, you're hoping the conversation gets to a point where you can bring on some stuff. And with that one, we had like um, like notes and stuff, and we were going through it. But as we were going through, I felt like each of us were bringing up things which then evolved the point that the other person had um and it all felt really nice and organic and i ended up digging into stuff that i'd only really half thought about or put in my notes because either you guys said it or vicky said something and it's like yeah that's a great and like that was uh an episode where and then we've been there again multiple times but that was one that it felt almost like like jazz it felt like it felt very organic and mm-hmm. um, it, it was it was fun as well because it wasn't a gush on the show because we enjoyed the show, but we had like negatives to talk about and it felt quite, uh, quite wholesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another one that I've got fond memories of because it's so early <laughs> is uh, episode two where we spoke about <laughs> the... Uh, Tanahasi Coates and Brian Stelfi's uh, Stelfi's um, Black Panther comics from of twenty sixteen, yeah, mm. and um, that was fun because it was our second episode after we'd done the introduction introductory episode, and we were like dissecting like 
five to six issues of this thing. And like one of the things that over the, the body of the show that people may have noticed is that I generally, even though I grew up and loved them, and we still read some of them now, I, normally the comics that I like to talk about aren't superhero comics and uh, not from some snobby thing. It's just current continuity stuff just does my head in so much <laughs> that I only like, only like condensed things now. I, I, I like it to have like a beginning, middle and end and not mm. run for like 52 issues or something across five different comics. And because that was a star and it was, it was an, uh, an author whose, whose work I'd read before and, and quite loved who, who was from outside comics uh, it, it was a great sort of jumping off point because it was kind of the gateway drug to get me back into talking about like a Marvel comic. But also there was a lot of like literary things to to consider. And it was the first proper of the current era of us really digging in and into the meat of uh, a comic. And it was, it was quite fun. And I think it set, set us... Set us um, Set us down a good road for how we, like, speak about uh, everything uh, coming on afterwards. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah. So I've got I've got fond memories of that, and especially because of the timing as well. It's when I moved back to London, so everything felt sort of new and interesting. Um, and the podcast was part of that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like. Going back actually through the the earlier episodes, I liked our first freeform episode number three, um, which is like where like where Mikey was too, we it was it too lit for the real world or something like <laughs> that we called it where where we got to talk about like um, we had we 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 had a discussion at the end of the episode about who we would what comic character we would invite into real life to party with us and things like that which i thought was quite fun i, I like i'm i'm a fan of the freeform stuff i like i like riffing so i like to like talk freeform about things yeah and, and talking about like setting the template of the show like that issue that issue sorry that episode uh <laughs> is pure the template of the show i mean exactly yeah we evolved that format and, and that sort of became the week in week out uh way that we proceed um, to talk yeah. about comics i also actually um to kind of like round this up slightly i want to thank all the guests that we've had on i want to thank uh anthony askew i want to thank b khan i want to thank marvin lafayette i want to thank dr vicky madden as well for guesting on the show um because like you guys made some awesome episodes with us that interview with b khan was brilliant um i really enjoyed having vicky on for the uh junji ito stuff that was really cool um always fun to have ask you on and uh like his watchman episodes were great and it's great to have marv on uh when we had him on for the christmas episodes and stuff um and uh we're gonna be having marv on quite soon for something we've got in the works uh something that it, it, it occupies a special place in my heart, so it's something that I wanted to talk about on the cast, and um, we were talking about it a little bit just before the recording about what we're going to do, and Rahul looked at the size of the book that we want to cover and sort of winced a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I winced at the size of one of the many books that we have to read for that, but it's when until we get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's going to be a doozy, and if I get to do it the justice that I want to do it, which I hope I do because I love this story so much, uh, then 
it will be a fantastic set of episodes so yeah um thank you and uh thank you for helping us make it to 100 yeah need to thank nigel and tazzy as well for guesting with us and for having me on their show for, for me getting the chance to do um a show with those guys with the Mayamada guys to be on the Mayamada podcast and to talk about stuff with them because like getting to be on other podcasts, getting to guest on story X story and things like that. And, and like, even when, um, like pre doing this, when I've guested on other podcasts with people, when I've done things like dynamite and the brain and stuff, that's given me all the tools that I can bring back here to, to improve this. Like, I wouldn't be here doing this if I hadn't started guesting on Dynamite in the Brain and Secret of the Sailor Madness and things like that. Yes. Like, I wouldn't have the balls to stand up and do this. So that, that's, that's very, very true. My yeah. podcast experience before uh, joining you on this adventure was uh, was guesting on, on those podcasts. And um, I remember my first, well, one of my first podcasts on Dynamite in the Brain, I remember just being like, like nervous and, and considering oh should i have like a shot or something for like uh some dutch courage or something uh just so I, uh because i'm not a natural like social speaker i'm not a gregarious person but then like now it's like i i can just roll out of bed and be like hey guys uh how about that comic we just read and like uh like the thought the way i conceive these things the way i feel about speaking into a microphone is just so different and it, it, it is interesting like feeling and, and seeing that sort of progression and and it's it's nice to appreciate like where that where that, where that started and where that came from yeah definitely so we also have some comics to talk about today uh we've got we've got um a few books to go through that um some really interesting books actually to talk about today. I just wanted to like start up top with the fact that um, there was a, a there was a comic convention this year. It was Thought Bubble twenty twenty. It was a digital comic convention, and I did check some of it out. And um, I bought me a couple of things that I'll probably talk about on later casts. I pre ordered uh, Puno, which is uh, like the next Peruvian cyberpunk comic by Gustavo Fargas. We've covered a, a fair bit of his stuff on here. Um, and we've talked, to, yeah, we've talked about a lot of his books. And this is the next one. This is volume two in his Peruvian cyberpunk series, uh, Altiplano. And this is like part two of three. So um, there's a Kickstarter for it, actually, if you want to go and check and have a look. I think it's already funded. But um, if you want to just go and check it out and just, just get some hype for it, because I think it drops in February. Because I, I, I ordered it through his uh shop his uh, from his artist his virtual artist table on thought bubble um and then i got an email saying that it would be shipped when it's uh, available in february so uh, i'm very much looking forward to that um i also bought a comic called tale of the goddess which is by um an artist uh and comic artist and writer jenny muir um it's like an alien myth about a cat that becomes a goddess and it's like it's really super trippy and really cool and it's got cats in it um, so one day I'm going to get around to talking about that as well. Uh, <laughs> I want to sit down with some more time with it first because it's a really nice book. It's really nicely presented in A4 and stuff. Again, that was something I, I snagged through the Thought Bubble Digital Con. So, um, I think some of it's still live because I was having a quick look earlier. Um, you can still, um, the, 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 like, the, the various halls, I think, are still up and live. And you can, uh, you can click on, um, 
because the like these artists have like virtual tables. You can click on that; it takes you directly to their shops, their Etsy stores, and things like that, where you can like order this like really awesome stuff that would have been things that would have like totally caught your eye had you actually been at Thought Bubble. Um, and I think this is—I think this virtual con thing's a great idea. I really loved it. Um, didn't get the chance to check out any of the panels because they did do some video panels, but I didn't get the chance to check any of that out, which I'm quite sad about. But um, I'm sure they probably exist recorded somewhere on YouTube or something like that for you to go back through and peruse if you have a look. But um, yeah, so it's it's kind of it's still there, so you should check that out. Uh, that's the Thought Bubble virtual con. If you just go to the Thought Bubble website, actually, thoughtbubblefestival.com, it's all there, uh, and there's some really awesome stuff on there. Um, That's pretty cool. I, I like that they've been able to, yeah, uh, transition and uh, be able to handle that. Uh, I know a lot of uh, other events ha have had to do similar, and mm. a lot just weren't able to at all. So it's nice that they can still uh, create a place that will support creators and will give. Uh, fans and enthusiasts a, a place to place to still interact with the people and and all that stuff so it's, it's quite cool mm. and um i am i'm going to champion this sort of thing because it's a really good way to support artists through these trying times to have these like virtual cons setups where you can like go through the tables and things like that but it's like in a virtual setting on a website where it, it kind of just has links to their shops but it, it's kind of trying to replicate the feeling of you walking through the comicsology hall and looking left and right and seeing like all these different artists with all their awesome stuff just set up like all their great artwork on huge banners behind them smiling faces like you know excited fans that kind of stuff so um yeah it, it was it, it's nice and it's a great way to support these artists so if you're thinking of buying any comics uh maybe head on over there and see if there's anything you like because there's some some truly cool stuff there um yeah just one thing to add on top of that is because uh in my uh in my professional space i've been doing a few things like setting up online events trying to trying to emulate the kind of feeling you would have doing an event in the office but obviously you know doing it over zoom or whatever and finding ways to replicate that space and replicate that same mood about, you know, walking around and engaging with people directly is a really hard thing to do. And to hear that they've pulled it off successfully or that, you know, people are pleased with how that went, that's that's amazing to hear because it's yeah. so much hard work. Um, yeah, it's, yeah it's cool. I'm super impressed. Um, I feel like to, to replicate the office environment, one must first take off their Cheeto-smeared sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> Look, what happens outside of the camera stays outside of the camera. Right? Shirt up top, sweatpants down bottom, wearing a shirt and tie for the bit that they can actually see. And then beneath the camera, there's just like this sea of empty crisp packets. And like, yeah, that's how I imagine it. These people that have to work from home. I've not been working from home, but a lot of people have. So I don't have that luxury. <laughs> um, so, yeah, moving on to today's first comic. Um, so this is a graphic novel that I chose to pick up, um, like through my interest in music and this is my interest in music and comics again, crossing over to produce something fucking wonderful. So this is a book called Redbone, um, as in the band Redbone. 
so uh the uh the 70s um native american rock band uh you will know them from the guardians of the galaxy song uh come and get your love that's them um and that's where you will have heard redbone before i'm sure many of you have heard that song so this is a book that was originally published by um stankis which is a Stankis Publishing, which is like a French company, and then IDW have picked it up and distributed it as well, uh, and it's been translated into English as well. It was translated by Edward Galvin. Um, it was written by Christian Stabler and Sonia Paoloni, and the art is by uh, Tybalt Bal- Balahi. Tybalt Bahali. I'm sorry if I've mispronounced your name. Um, there's probably going to be a lot of that. Lettered by uh, Frank uh, Tretovic or Tretovic. Again, I am sorry if I have mispronounced your name. I've been trying to get better at names, but I can't promise that I'm ever going to be perfect. So this is a, a great kind of like historical music book um, and it, it covers some really awesome stuff. So like it's... So it's an amazing, it's the amazing story of the Native American rock band Redbone. And more than that, it's also the story of Native American, of the Native American civil rights movement. Um, these young men, uh, Pat and Lolly Vegas, uh, the two kind of founding members of Redbone, embracing their roots and standing up with other members of the band to embrace their roots and their heritage. And in doing so, showing others the path and drawing attention to the struggles and gross injustices faced by the Native American peoples or indigenous peoples anywhere really um this book begins in the present day and is framed through a family conversation in a restaurant between pat vegas and his daughter it is narrated by pat himself and um as the book continues it's pat recalling memories and stories from his career and descriptions of what it was like to be a native american in the 60s and 70s in america and to grow up in post-war America, I suppose, in ways as well. And it's it's also, um, there's a lot in there about the systematic ethnocide that was taking place, uh, the continued eradication of the native way of life, like forced education and assimilation into Euro-American culture through Native American boarding schools and the myriad horrific abuses that befell those who were sent to these institutions. And it's it is a fascinating story. It also covers like the formation of the American Indian movement or AIM and the 1973 occupation of Wounded Knee, which it, which was in protest against um, Oglala tribal chairman Richard Wilson's administration, as well as the the way the federal federal government like consistently and persistently failed to honor its treaties with Native American nations. Like this was a 71 day occupation and, and protest that became a siege and it was covered there was global coverage there was arms there was an armed standoff it, it, it there was there was live shooting people were killed uh this was like the fbi and the national guard just swarming this place and there was like these native american protesters in wounded knee um and like there was weapons fired people were killed and and this is the site of the 1890 wounded knee massacre um on the Lakota Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota, which is like Wounded Knee Creek. Um, So it will be 130 years this year, actually. On December 29th, uh, it will be 130 years. So December 29th, uh, 1890, um, 
was when the United States 7th Cavalry fired on men, women, and children, killing 300 Lakota tribes people in total. So they, um, they marched them to this area and then they were sur- they tried to disarm them and they were surrounded and they basically fired down on them and they had like um kind of like they they were just basically they were they were in this in this in this valley basically and the american soldiers had them surrounded and it was it's it's horrific when you read about it like we learned about wounded knee at school um cuz we covered the american west and we covered uh our our history teacher was actually pretty good with this the way she taught this she taught us about the way that america was colonized and the horrific way that the native american peoples were treated in fact and it's always been something that i've always thought about and this book has kind of like helped me consolidate that knowledge and and given me more of an insight into it from through the eyes of and Native American people, I guess, I guess, and it's just helped me to kind of try to understand that more. And it's given me a hopping on point to kind of learn more about this stuff as well, to learn more about the Native American civil rights movement and the way they are still, the way they're treated and, and the fights that they still have to, the, the, the fight, the battle that they still have to fight today in places like, um, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's horrible, but you know, and yeah, so it, it's this is this this book has just been fantastic for that for teaching me that I I guess um, and it's a fantastic I think I think it's a story that needs to be read and heard by many people and I think as many people as possible need to pick this up and check this out because they need to know this story like I mean yes Redbone are a fantastic band and they make amazing music but like all of the stuff that surrounds that and everything that they stood for. And the way that is explained in this book is is just fascinating. And yeah, other than the writing being incredibly captivating and the story itself being so inspiring and captivating and, you know, so important, like with it being written from the point of view of Pat Vegas and the art on the pages is absolutely breathtaking. It's free form with images kind of like snaking down the page. You've got splashes of paint and colour movement and scenery on a white background or vintage stock paper for things happening in Pat's past when he's like recalling memories. And it has this whole thing of uh, being as if it is memories being recalled to the page and then them spilling out onto the page. Like the whole thing is illustrated like a conversation, like memories coming to life. Like when people, like it is what I would call descriptive art or how that's the best way I can describe it as descriptive art because there's some parts where there's, there's bits of scenes missing and there's bits, other bits in great detail. So you imagine like how someone remembers something or how you remember something. You might remember the actions that somebody takes, but you might not necessarily remember facial features, but you'll remember the color of the coat that they're wearing when they're doing it. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's how it's drawn on the page because it's coming out of this guy's head. And the way that that is put together and the way that that is put together on the page, as if we are kind of like taking a swim through this dude's memories is absolutely fantastic i love it like things are things are in focus or, or th- something like some things have greater focus and greater detail placed on them as if they are more important than other things in the image and things like that and it's just it's just great how that works and there's no borders or or clear panel divisions there's just this wonderfully fluid memories laid out on the page 
and it, I mean, I know that from a comic reader point of view, that sounds challenging, but actually it's really intuitive and it's very easy to follow. Um, and it, it, it is like I am sat hearing someone tell the tale, like, and I am painting it with my mind. It's a fantastic book and I fully recommend that you all check this out. So I'm going to end this by saying that obviously there are other books and resources that you can check out as well. Uh, to to learn more about the Native American civil rights movement and uh, you should definitely check out and, and get educated. You should check this all out and you should get educated. The fight's still happening today. Um, this month, November 2020, is Native American Heritage Month and um, the 14th of October just gone was Indigenous Peoples Day and also we've got Thanksgiving coming up for our American listeners and um, there's a number of Native American and Indigenous charities that I would urge you to donate to um over thanksgiving this year um and that's that that that's closing me out for everything that i had to say about redbone and this is why it's an important book and why people should read it yeah no it sounds amazing like yeah. when you were had it on the pull list last time i heard um uh, it was definitely on my list and i was hoping to read it for this episode with you but i uh, couldn't get couldn't get around to it but i'm definitely gonna check it out yeah yeah similar and like i've really been enjoying comic book uh, like biographies or memoirs or just non-fiction in general like that's a thing that i didn't used to have i i always struggled to read biographies in text and i find like um in comic form there's some really creative ways of getting you to like understand like understand someone's situation or you know express that same empathy so i'm looking forward to checking this one out yeah so um that is something I urge you all to read. And, and like I said, with, with Thanksgiving coming up, it would be a great time um, for our American listeners especially to donate to um, these indigenous charities that they have, these uh, Native American indigenous charities. Uh, there's plenty of them out there. I will pro- I will put some in the show notes um, that I, I, I feel would be good. Um, but you should, you should donate to... Well, I, I would urge you to donate to these charities and... Uh, give um so yeah moving on from there um next book that we're going to read is or that we're going to talk about is something a little lighter uh this is a book called scarenthood um and was it all three of us or was it just me and you ray no i think we've all read it right leon did you yeah, check it. this one out hmm. yeah so um to paraphrase the ghostbusters three on the book ready to go we be fast and they be slow it's the bit where they catch the scolari brothers in the courtroom and they're all like <laughs> two in the box ready to go we be fast and they be slow yeah. you couldn't go 20 minutes without bringing up ghostbusters could no, you No, man they're all back in the saddle <laughs> putting on the proton packs and in the courtroom and oh my god it's the scolari brothers and all that happens you know I gave him the, tried him for murder, gave him the chair. Yeah. So. <laughs> anyway, it, it, it's, look, right, it's, it's supernatural, spoopy people hunting spoopy ghosts. So yeah, this one was great fun. And um, like from the get go, the cover has like that vibe, that retro penguin guide to parenting vibe type thing, <laughs> which I really love with like the typeface and everything. And yeah, so I'm going to start with the blurb for this one. Because I think you need the blurb. So, uh, 
With their kids away on a field trip, a group of parents disturbs an ancient evil buried beneath the old church hall, unearthing a decades-old mystery about a missing child and inviting something hungry into their lives. Suddenly, their mornings go from playdates and peanut allergies to a battle for the souls of one broken family? And one child in particular? What scares you the most, fighting demons or letting your kids down? <laughs> so they're basically trying to juggle paranormal investigator and parenthood um, is the, the kind of the crux of this, really. Um, and that's where the comedy lies therein in that in that point there, that crossroads. Um, so I'll start with actually, you know what, Ray, I'll let you tell me what you thought of it first. Because I remember you saying, oh. <laughs> in fact, I quote, precast, Ray was like, this was a weird book. or something." This was a weird book. <laughs> like, I, to, to what you just said about the cover, I really love the cover of this book. Like, uh, like three colours, it's just orange, yellow, black, and red. And like, yeah, the way you put it was like Ladybird um, guide to how to look after your kid, except there's <laughs> like the, the bloody disembodied head of the Virgin Mary and... Like uh, building blocks with the letters R.I.P. spelled out on the floor yeah. is this is really evocative. Have you, um, have I don't you think you ever th- seen any of the um, Scarfolk stuff. No, Scarfolk. Uh, Scarfolk is it's like this. Um, how, how do I describe it? Uh, fake seventies propaganda. Scarfolk Council. So if you Google Scarfolk Council, you'll see all of it. But. Um, you should look it up actually because it, okay. it's really cool. But it, it's like kind of like subversive, um, like in the in the style of nineteen seventies local council posters and infomercials and and notices and oh, pamphlets right. and things like that. But but it's like really creepy and weird, and like um, really difficult to understand and, and really twisted. Like the kind of stuff you would see in a doctor's office in the 90s, but it wouldn't have moved since the 70s kind of thing. Yeah, and it's it's like, yeah. it, it's kind of like, but but the, what, what they do with it is they twist it a little bit and it has like this kind of like occult supernatural <laughs> edge to it yeah. at times. And it also has this kind of like um, weird, like, the futility of bureaucracy thing going on and it's it's great in that way but you should you should check it out it's yeah. i'm i'm already on it i just googled one and yeah. it's like a picture of a cctv camera dressed up like santa claus and it says big father is watching you he sees when you're sleeping he knows when you're awake it's what baby jesus wanted it's, this is fantastic this is better than the comic yeah um, there's there's loads of that but this is what the the, the cover of this comic gives me scarfo mm. vibes so there we go that's a great touch point. Um, but yeah, I, I think the comic nestled in, it doesn't quite deliver that. Like it's got a very different vibe than the cover gives. Um, I think there's a lot to unpack in this because uh, there's a few things. I, I had to read it a couple of times to fully follow what was happening. Um, but essentially, I, I thought it was about a single father who... Um, was learning was struggling to be a single father like you know parenting by himself uh because perhaps his wife had passed away suddenly and he was you know struggling to to deal with his um his kid and like picking her up from from school and all of that and then it turns out there's there's a little bit more happening at the edges that it's not revealing right off the bat and there's there's stuff like there's a teacher figure who's like this fantastic um you know really 
uh, inspirational sort of teacher who looks like she's really reveling and has all the energy to deal with these kids. But there's a, a little bit off about like her behavior towards like the bus driver character and stuff like that. And it was just, I felt like it was a little bit all over the place. Like there's a, a lot of characters going on and a lot of like different threads happening about like struggling to deal with being a single parent, but then also um, like mysterious disappearances happening in this town from, you know, decades ago, but then also some weird occult stuff happening behind the closed doors of this um, like locked off theater stage, which has statues of the Virgin Mary placed around it. And I feel like it's a very messy issue one. And I still don't really understand what, <laughs> what the intention of this comic is beyond what I get at the end is it's mixing the concepts of like struggling to be a parent, but also, like you said, from the, the synopsis, what scarier monsters or letting down your kid. And I, I think it does a slightly poor job of expressing that in this first, you know, 30 odd pages or whatever it is. But yeah, I don't know. That, that's where I'm at so far. Uh, how about you guys? Yeah, so what I was getting from this is because um, it, it, the art has this like real cartoon edge, right? And it, it it really brings it all to life and gives it this Saturday morning cartoon feeling. And the Saturday morning cartoon generation, people like me who grew up on things like Batman TAS and whatever, are the grown-ups in this book. And the parents, and the book opens with the parents waiting for their children to finish nursery, and it's like a Saturday morning cartoon, but for 30-somethings with small children. <laughs> um, in the way that it's set out, because it has, like, the kid gang thing going on. So, like, the parents mm. are waiting for their kids to finish nursery, and they're posturing and acting like children, hanging out, in a way. Like, with them telling tales and the vibe that they give off and the way they interact in these first few pages, it's like looking at, like, a gang of neighborhood kids. Yeah, sorry, to butt back in, that's one of the things that I had noted down, but I didn't, like, because I waffled through that. <laughs> I, I didn't hit on yeah. that point. But yeah, that's that's one thing I did like about this, is this point you just said about, like, the Saturday morning gang, and it's like how um, there are still cliques, even as an adult, like, you, you feel like after you finish school and you move into the workplace, like you sort of divorce yourself from these different cliques. But then when it, even just by being involved in your children's school life, like you still end up being formed into these same cliques and having the same yeah. preconceived notions about people. But, um, like, yeah, you know, you only get to see them part, you know, part of your day and you only understand exactly. them through the lens of these kids. Yeah. But further than that, they've taken the, tro the kid gang tropes mm. of like the typical members of a kid gang and then they've like aged them up. So you've got you've even down to the like the the neighborhood tough and the new kid dynamic that's going mm. on in the first couple of pages. And for me it's like it's like this is the Goonies but the Goonies are grown up responsible parents now. It's got like that that <laughs> that thing going on where it's like the kids that are the neighborhood kid gang or whatever like cycling about going oh you know that's old Mr. Sakowski's house and it's very haunted and we shouldn't go in there you know. But <laughs> it, it's it's these adults in Ireland. <laughs> And they are the Sat AM gang kind of thing. They're like kids hanging out, which I really enjoyed. And that that for me was like the point of interest where it was like, oh, this is an interesting way of doing it. Because it, it just, and even, it just shows that you never really truly change, do you? You never really grow up fully from being a kid because you always retain like 
something of that, I guess. And I guess that's what it's bringing out in these in these guys. Like when they're meeting up again, is they've retained the the kind of schoolyard hierarchy that they would have adhered to as younger children. Um. And like instead of the kids ending up in their own mischief and escapades, it's the kids. Uh, sorry, it's the parents. So the kids are at nursery, like their parents would be at work. They've kind of like flipped the formula, if you will. And then like. The kids are almost the 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 thing that's anchoring them and and like regulating their um, what they can and can't do. Like like instead of saying, "Oh, you know, my mum won't let me go out on Fridays or whatever," they're they're saying, "Oh, I have to pick my kid up and take him swimming and things like that." And it's it just completely flips that formula where the thing that the barrier is the kid and not the parent because it's the parent that's going on the little adventure. <laughs> kind of thing and getting into mischief and getting on escapades and even like by the end of the book they've even formed a gang and they have the whole thing where they're like like the the the, the gang thing with like everyone putting their hands in the middle and being like you know goonies never say die or something (laughs) and it's just it's like that's that was what i got from it and that was what kept me going and wants me that's why i feel it's so inspired because it's doing something very different with established tropes and stuff like that in these types of stories um what did you what about you leon yeah i feel like i land in between you guys um but probably like a few steps closer to to you greg because i you you do you, you nailed it when you said like uh it's it's the 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 misfit kids come together as adults it it does give off those vibes and um what what i like about the construction of it is like you don't often really get to see like sort of young parents getting into adventures really because normally it's either it's people pre-kids getting into adventures or it's like um the kids have left and they get into adventures or if you're lucky it's an adventure family and the kids are like in their teens or something by the time you're a parent in these types of stories you're you're practically dead you just vanish (laughs) like you become a parent and then you just vanish and then your kids making their own pp and j sandwiches pb and j sandwiches or whatever yeah like the dad in stranger things (laughs) yeah like 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 you you become like just a, a, a newspaper and a pair of trousers. Yeah, you become a newspaper and a pair of trousers, or a post-it note on the fridge when they get back from school. <laughs> <laughs> in these types of stories, usually, so it's nice to see that flipped. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's it's really cool because, um, especially how it was beginning, I was thinking, oh, there's that looks, there was like seemed to be an antagonism between a few of the characters that I was like, oh, this is kind of annoying. Like, uh, mm. I don't really want don't really want this. It's like it's just going to be some story about some sad loner dad or something and um <laughs> what what they do like i i, I love when people come together on a thing and uh i love a thing where there's a crazy supernatural type thing happening and um i hate when someone has seen something super wild and either doesn't say anything about it or no one believes them and i like mm. how it sort of begins that way where the uh, conspiracy theorist uh, dad is all about that, but I like how that's just set aside, and it's like I'm skeptical. Um, skeptical about what this could be is like the 
the most pushback on that, but it's more a case of something spooky is happening. We can't explain it, but we're going to come together and sort it. And this is the end of the first issue. So I felt I felt pretty good about that because that could have stretched for like ages of them mm. antagonizing each other, not believing him. But like there's a there's a I like that construction and I like the fact that uh they are like young parents and they're kind of having to get to grips with like how to sort of, uh, navigate that life because uh, this nursery runs from like nine to one. And on top of that, I do like that it's set in like Ireland, uh, like County Cork. It just, it, it's, you'd always get this and it'd be American. Like, yeah. Always. Definitely. Always. Like, mm. It'd be in some like little fictional town in America somewhere called Something Falls. Pine yeah. Ridge Falls or something yeah, like that, exactly. you know. Like... And this one's in like County Cork, so it's uh it's it's super cool to have that. Yeah. Um maybe even novel just because you don't get it all the time. But it's uh I I, I think that pulled me in a, a, a bit more, um if I if I'm honest, to at the start. And when um we get that cool bear, I don't I don't wanna like get too deep into actual specifics but there's a bit where like there's someone experiences like a big amount of lost time and um the way that's conveyed is really good especially with the wrinkle that we have with these characters responsibilities Mm. uh the way that is handled is like super cool and it did have me more interested in this sort of beginning central mystery than I was expecting to be and uh, as as you was, you guys like were speaking uh, about the you never leave school thing uh, mm. and like wherever like a, groups of adults come together that dynamic rears its ugly head whether it be like work or like enthusiast groups or anything like that <laughs> suddenly those groups start start to start to form and you get the popular person the funny person the controlling person and blah 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 and it's like uh i don't care for that like i'm an adult now uh, <laughs> but it's funny how you can never fully escape it because it always starts to form where yeah. a bunch of adults get, uh, get together and i do like how that's explored here where i think in the little amount of time that we do actually spend with all these people, I do, I think they're efficient at giving us, for most of them, a an idea of their personality and what they're doing when they're not on page. Uh, I'll say less, less so of Sinead, really, but I think with the other two characters and uh, the lead, I do feel that we get a bit more from them that in in a small amount of time that gives us an idea of the dynamic in their lives when, when they're at home with their kid or, or whatever. And I do like that. I thought that was like quite efficient. Uh, so like, I know I'm interested to see what, what follows that I, there's a nice mind bending spooky edge with, with, all of this. Yeah. It, what you were saying, actually, Leon, I just want to build on what you were saying about it um, wrapping up nicely by the end of the first issue and not dragging things out. 
it kind of has that because it adheres to that in a way to that Saturday morning cartoon formula and this would be like the first episode that introduces each character like briefly and gives you a flavor of what each character's about and who they are and then by the end of it you're at a, a, a kind of like a clear point wrapped up nicely and it's not you know it, it's done in that way where it's parceled off in a friendly way and I really like that yeah and you know I often have issues with first issues where I don't feel they tackle all the issues to get me to want to buy more issues. <laughs> I, I feel this one did end in in a way that it gave me enough to be like, okay, I'm in this world and to, to pull me in and keep me going. And like for someone like me who's quite averse to what getting the equivalent of like cold opens at times, I feel like this did its did its job in the twenty five to thirty pages it had. So yeah, I was pleasantly surprised with this comic, and uh, I'm definitely going to check out issue two. Yeah, definitely. Me too. I'm going to be on issue two. Um, Ray, <laughs> I I hated that you put me first because I was the one who was the most negative about it. Like, because hearing you guys be positive on it and say the things that you liked about it m- makes me want to reassess it. But like, well, I had to do it I think... that way around so that we could chuck buckets of water over the fire that you started. So. <laughs> fair enough i mean i think the thing for me at the start is like like to what leon was saying about is this going to be a comic about a sad dad loser kind of thing like i don't really this is a personal thing i don't really like stories about neglectful dads like not necessarily like awful dads but he's neglectful like his work comes before his daughter and like he's struggling to make that balance and I, i understand that that's you know that's a character and people are like that and i just don't necessarily want to see it you know what i mean um, like I'm just not interested in those kinds of stories, but I think the point where it does start getting me is there's a moment later in the book that Leon alluded to um, that I thought the mystery of like the the mysterious part of this story started hooking me more than the character stuff because I don't particularly like any of the characters, and I think because of it, it's got this like Saturday morning school kid click thing that you guys are talking about. I don't, I'm not really that taken with that if i'm being honest um but yeah i'm in it for the mystery i think i think also like just the kids are weirdly off-putting like in the artwork i'm not a fan of like this pseudo chibi like they've all got massive heads and like they talk weirdly and i just i don't know i was the kids themselves are sinister enough i don't think i need the horror mystery aspect like if if it was just these kids running around i think i'd be terrified to begin with so i don't know i don't think i'm in for number two but i'd be more than happy to hear what you guys think about it going forward Mm, yeah i'm gonna be i'm definitely gonna be on with it issue two um so that is scaring hoods and uh if i just run down the credits for that it is published by idw publishing uh written by nick rosh writer and artist nick rosh actually colors by chris o'halloran and uh lettering by sean lee this one is one that was like very my wheelhouse like incredibly my wheelhouse so this is sea of sorrows now this is historical horror and this is the creative team uh responsible for road of bones this is kind of like their follow-up for road of bones this is like another exceptional historical horror comic that um 
we covered previously. So we covered Road of Bones um, on a previous episode. You can go back and check that out. I talk about it a little. Um, so yeah, like I'll start by because I actually reread all of Road of Bones coming up to this. Because um, I, I I wanted to reread Road of Bones. Um, this doesn't follow on from Road of Bones directly, by the way, or anything like that. But I wanted to reread Road of Bones because it's the same creative team. So, Road of Bones was this like desolate Siberian tundra, and it's all hunger, madness, and Russian folklore. And it's like set towards the end of Stalin's reign in Soviet Russia. It's gripping. It's gritty. It's desolate. It's awesome. Uh, it's awesome reading for a dark winter night. Uh, basically inspired by and set during the story of the R five hundred four Kolyma Highway which was carved from the tundra by Gulag Labor camp, uh, Gulag Labor camp prisoners who were buried where they fell beneath the road, hence the road's other name, the Road of Bones. So you should go read that book because it's great. But anyways, Sea of Sorrow. So this is the same creative team. So we are talking uh, Rich Duick, um, Alex Cormack, and Justin Birch. So, Rich Duick is writer, Alex Cormack is artist and colorist, and Justin Birch, letters. Uh, we've got color assistance from Mark Mullaney as well, and this is also IDW Publishing. So, this is the IDW sode. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so, how many of us read Sea of Sorrows? I did. I'm in the sea with you. You're in the sea with me. Okay. So I did not. Me. I'm on the pier waving to you guys. <laughs> So yeah, um, the blurb for Sea of Sorrows to open. Deep sea adventure with horrific twist. From the creative team behind last year's hit horror series, Road of Bones, comes an all-new tale of bone-chilling terror. In the aftermath of the Great War, the North Atlantic is ripe for plunder by independent salvage crews. When a former naval officer hires the SS Vagabond, he leads the ship to a sunken new boat and a fortune in gold. Tensions mount as the crew prepares to double-cross each other, but the other darkness of the ocean floor holds deeper terrors than any of them have bargained for. Plunge headfirst into the icy waters of dread with another historic tale of terror from writer Rich Duick and artist Alex Cormack. So this is firmly in my wheelhouse. In fact, it's so far in my wheelhouse right now. Um, so this begins on an expedition off the Canadian Atlantic coast near Newfoundland in 1926. Uh... We've got a sunken World War One U-boat sub, which is supposedly full of treasure, German gold, uh, an American team of salvagers and rough sailors willing to go and get it. Um, just really cool. Uh, I love in this actually, like from the get-go, I love how Alex Cormack plays with light and shadow. And we've got like these muted colours that almost give the book qualities of an old collection of photographs. Like they have this grimy quality and the shadow is like stippled. It's like particles it's almost like a black mold creeping over the sepia in places and it just kind of like creeps up and hems in the image especially in the bar scenes at the very beginning it's just like you can imagine this dingy ass pub in the 1920s and like how it must smell like stale beer and cigarette smoke and all of that you know <laughs> like <laughs> how it must smell but yeah, no, it's just this grimy quality and um, I love it. It's like in places as well, the the, the picture's like, it's muted colours, but then it also takes on almost a sepia tone sometimes, for me anyway, I don't know. But it feels like I am actually looking at old photographs brought to life. 
Um, and like in the moment, it, it just like, yeah, in the moments below the water, like the whole page is this liquid inky darkness punctuated by white lantern light reflecting off bubbles and other surfaces. And it's, it's like you can only see objects and items and people, uh, living things in the direction that the light is flowing. And we only get like certain edges of things and we can only make out certain things. And and that's how it must be if you're so far below water when there's the very little light penetrates that deep. And the only light you have is the light you bring with you. So I guess you can only see so far in front of you and you're in this like inky black fog. And then all of a sudden you are confronted with like dimly lit surfaces of like craggy rocks below the surface or uh, a sea creature coming past your mask at close range or whatever and then like you would get to what is like a sunken wreck and you would be trying to make stuff out on this sunken wreck with you know and and the light reflecting at different angles maybe showing you different parts of the sign and getting an idea for how large this wreck is and whereabouts you are and think i just ah so good in the way that it communicates all of that um and like yeah the way the light reveals the invisible world below is just incredible um and the old school diving gear as well which is like a a thing i love i love looking at old school diving gear. yeah yeah (laughs) I, i love that stuff i love those helmets like they're just they're just incredible, aren't they? <laughs> well, they're kind of like they're like the precursor to like astronauts' uh, outfits. Yeah, it is. That this is like this is the thing that has always been a thing in my head as well. Like the the, the kind of like the connection there and the duality of it. Like when you look at what an astronaut wears, and they're exploring the great unknown above, and then you look at these like sort of like early diving gear, and they were exploring the great unknown below, and it's it's the same thing and and they always say that the ocean has as many secrets as space in fact even more so like we've we know less about the what's below the ocean than we do about what's above us don't we i mean say within reason (laughs) that's what they say though right that's that's (laughs) that's what they say i'm right but that's within reason of what we understand about anything they they being people of higher intellectual quality than me but that's what they say (laughs) right so but the, the, the thing is, like, they are very similar and all, like, space stuff, whether in sci-fi, is always, like, it's just uh, the same, but in space. They're, like, they use ships, people go out, they have to worry about oxygen, it's the great, uh, it's the great black, the, the great unknown. And with all that said, I'm more willing to get into a spaceship than I am <laughs> to go deep sea un- un- underwater. Well, the I, thing with the, the old school, like... The copper, is it the copper hat something? I'm sure there's a term for it where, like, it's the big, bulky, heavy thing. Is Part of the reason it was so heavy is not just a protection, but, like, to push you further down into the water to, like, fight against buoyancy, which you to don't get you down, with... Yeah. yeah, to weigh you down, which you don't get in space. Like, that is ridiculously terrifying. Like, in order to get, like, fight against the thing that's pushing you down, you have to take away the thing that's giving you air? Like, that's ridiculous. Like, you wouldn't catch me in that. <laughs> it's a dangerous job and someone used to do it <laughs> but yeah no i i just i'm fascinated by old school diving gear i i just am um but yeah it's um 
yeah, the, the, a lot of this book actually is light and shadow. We've got a couple of pages where it's like red anger and monstrous violence of the Western Front illuminated by flare and explosion. Um, and it has this similar vibe to what's going on underwater, except we're lit with the orange and red of anger and fire. And it, it just really does communicate the hell of fighting on the Western Front in World War One. Like, that's a... For me, that is a, a very good representation of what it must have been like. I mean, like, building off that as well, um, if you've been reading or following Lock and Key, um, the recent Lock and Key uh, arc um, in Pale Battalions Go, uh, which it, that does a real good job of, of illustrating the Western Front as well in a different way. But, like, this kind of, like, really does, like, what I know about World War One and what I know about the Western Front, this kind of, like, encapsulates that for me which i really like that's that's what i liked about road of bones as well i liked the level of like care taken with the history involved in this and the, the level of care to, sh to to be authentic with things yeah while well, so, at the yeah, same yeah. time with road of bones it was mixing the very real and hard textured extreme weather like uh, extreme conditions world with the behind the veil supernatural yeah and i i think that both have that 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 feel about like there's a worry if someone else isn't watching you when you're mm. out there because yeah. that's that's when the spooky stuff happens yeah and this book has like it, it the, the the unknown below and the the ah. Uh. Um, I'm not going to give away the hook here, but the supernatural element is really great. <laughs> you need to get on this with some deep horror. But like, I mean, Leon, we need need more of your opinions on this because you read. This yeah, too, yeah. Right? So, uh, yeah, I I enjoyed this as well. This is a very Greg book. Like, I was reading this thinking, like, yeah, this is this is super Greg book. Um. But like, yeah, I echo um, a lot of your, uh, a lot of what you said. Um, and I think that it, like, it does really, it, it does really like cool stuff to, in, in, in terms of, or in regards to the interiority of some of these characters, especially the ones that we either spend time with where they're alone, like uh, the uh, the diver, uh, or like the flashbacks that uh, I won't give more information on. But I that I, the way that all comes together is so seamless, and there's just a great page earlier on that I don't even want to say what exactly happens, but it, it encapsulates the perverse nature of all of this, where there's a character who, in what we the reader would consider traditional uh, danger of some sort, but there's a thrill in that actual in that actual danger, and that the danger or worry is immediately subsided because they've discovered something else, and I, I, I it's like almost wordless page, um, and it just captures all these emotions and thoughts and feelings so well um that i was able to sort of like feel it in the same way that i can sort of i can feel the damp of like 
being out at sea and I can like sort of smell that like sea smell if you know what I mean yeah yeah Uh, and like I was saying earlier I think texture is a key word Uh, there's a lot of texture in this art uh, in the way the characters are rendered Mm. but also in things like the night sky or or the deep ocean and in the blown chunks floating on the surface (laughs) or or in to to do with the uh like aberration you get with like um like flares um yeah uh, in, in the air like there's a uh, and because there's so much use of like dark and shadow and like, mm. like negative space in kind of um, the it's very striking what's put put over there and like Red of Bones is like a lot of good use of like red uh, in its in its various uh, permutations and yeah yeah there's a very not tactile there's like a, a very um, Maybe maybe sensual is the way, and not sensual as in sensual, but like sensory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's like, very. Uh, I mean, there's yeah. kind of a sensual thing, but like, could you, um, could you smell the vomit? Because I could. Uh, I tried <laughs> not to, but I, I could smell chlorine. Yeah, I could. I could see the vomit, and I could. You know, I was like, ugh. And I I, I felt that scene because I've been seasick <laughs> myself, so I felt that scene. But and, yeah. but like, um, what I like about it is I do, like with Road of Bones, I do love that thing I was speaking about where it's hard scrabble life, uh, trying to make your way do it on this next scheme or to escape or whatever. And just seeing behind the curtain of, the, of reality in a way. Mm. But you're taking it in your stride because you just, it's on to the next thing. And yeah. you're, 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 saying was that real i don't know no one's going to believe this story or maybe i'm just seeing things because i've been i've been here too long and i do love uh, I, I like that more than the more explicit things that we kind of see hmm. uh, I, I i do like the in the shadows mystery and like people having to consider uh their actions in the past and, and i love stuff where it's like oh i heard this I heard this sound when like I, I love tales of like oh this person used to work at this thing and and the hours of the midnight uh, in the middle of the night they would hear what they thought was singing or so like I love that type of element where yeah. it's um uh, not tall tales but it, it's it's us being on the edge of the natural next yeah. to the the filter of the of the unnatural or the we're, supernatural we're at the point where the the membrane is really thin yeah and um, you're, yeah. you're you're some sometimes people are like half stepping through it and and yeah. seeing what lies over there and I, I like how it's not just a whoa supernatural but it's actually people having to consider their past and their wants and, yeah. and feel, feelings now and um it's a series of, of stresses and events that push you to the supernatural. Rather than you actually finding yourself immersed in it or being dropped in it, you are forced to it. To You're forced to, first of all, forced to the edge of sanity, especially in, in, the, in the context of Road of Bones. Yeah. And then from the edge of sanity is where you find the supernatural, which 
is something that's always really fascinated me with these kinds of stories. Um, the other really cool thing, comparing this to Rhoda Bones, actually, because um, you were talking about negative space, but Rhoda Bones uses negative space in a really interesting way, in a contrast to this, because Rhoda Bones uses a lot of white. It's yeah. like a completely different kind of negative space because we're getting like um, these harsh Arctic, Siberian, cold landscapes. Um, and like Rhoda Bones is mostly played out against the pristine white of the snowy landscape, whereas this, this is a lot of the deep sea black. And it's negative space, and we're still, but it's in a different way. Like, like we're the bits that we're seeing in Road of Bones is the bits that the snow hasn't touched, the bits that aren't consumed. Yeah. What, but, whereas this is where the light is too scared yeah, to go. Exactly. And yeah. It's it's that 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 visibility of where like you go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, and you like see something out the corner of your eye, and you're like, that was one of the cats. <laughs> that was yeah. on the cat surely yeah. like i'm just tired yeah uh and but you can't quite make out and if 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 some ghoul wanted to be there mm. the ghoul could be there and you yeah. and <laughs> totally totally could totally be there could totally be there right now behind you listening <laughs> to this in the next room yeah so um that was sea of sorrows and that wraps us up actually for today's comics um <laughs> i read the wrong book this week because <laughs> that's sound, that book sounds amazing <laughs> read road of bones as well ray okay i'll get to it yeah um so that was yeah that has been ace comicals episode 100 so thank you for listening and helping us get to 100 episodes uh thank you for being a part of what we love and what we do um to everyone that's ever been involved in any way be it being a guest on the show be it being a listener asking a question whatever just thank you to all of you um so we move on to le pull list so we start with the 25th of november and uh nothing new here um just a bunch of stuff that i just wanted to bring to your attention so department of truth is now on its third issue uh, fantastic comic me and Leon discussed it a few episodes ago get on it uh, you've got the plot number 7 great little horror title from Vault Comics the autumnal number 3 uh, Hood number 2 uh, so if you like what you heard when we were talking about Hood this time pick up the, the first two issues next Wednesday um, or well I mean forgetting that i mean most of britain right britain right now is in lockdown again so we we don't have shops but you can pick these up digitally uh for through various uh, various ways to pick them up digitally um uh, and um also i mean some stores are still operating like click and collects and things like that so you can pick up your stuff safely which is cool uh and obviously anywhere else in the world uh, you know if it's safe to do so hit up your lcs to pick up these books obviously if you're in a in a tight position like we are in the uk um if if you're in a lockdown or if anything then then there are alternatives just 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 look for that but please 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 check out your lcs before you go before you hit amazon like especially in these times like check out what kind of services your lcs is offering and 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 where you like where you can get stuff from if you want to order graphic novels and books before you hit amazon um so we've also got i walk with monsters which i 
I t- I didn't talk about it. The Vault Dweller did, but on our Halloween episode, so uh, I previewed I Walk with Monsters, and uh, issue one comes out this Wednesday. So check it out because it is great. Uh, and also Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Best of Donatello, which follows on from The Best of Raphael, which is like a collection of really good Donatello bits. Uh, so if you want an introduction or hopping on point, check that out. If Donnie's your man, um, Ray, anything for next Wednesday? Uh, no, you actually mentioned all the ones I was going to pick out. The main one <laughs> going to be um, I Walk With Monsters. Yes. So, yeah, yes, yes. definitely check that out. Uh, so on the 2nd of December, which is the following one, so that's like two chocolates from your advent calendar, um, we've got Batman Catwoman number one, uh, which I am actually slightly excited about um, because this is Tom King returning to the Rocky Romantic Saga of Batman and Catwoman. With his Heroes in Crisis collaborator, superstar artist Clay Mann. And uh, this is a DC Black Label title. Um, so, echoing plot points from King's epic Batman run, this is the sweeping tale is told across three timelines. The past, when the bat and the cat first fell in love. The present, where their union is threatened by one of Batman's lost loves. And the future, where the couple have a happy life and legacy. Including their daughter, Helena the Batwoman. And uh, as the story begins, after a long marriage, Bruce Wayne passes away, which frees Selina Kyle to settle an old score. At every stage of their relationship, Bruce and Selina have an unwelcome chaperone, the Joker. Oh, and that lost love of Bruce's, it's Andrea Beaumont, aka Phantasm. Just thought you'd want to know. So yeah, um, I am down for that, me being the absolute sucker for Batman books that I am. Uh, Lock and Key Impaled Battalions Go Part 3 drops on the 2nd of December we also have uh, Fantastic Four Road Trip number 1 now the thing that kind of got me on this is it's got like this I remember seeing this uh, like some press around this um, some preview of it and whatever like when it was announced it's it's kind of like this um, this kind of like cabin fever thing going on for it so the Fantastic Four have earned some much needed time away from the job and Reed has planned a a well, fantastic, old-fashioned family vacation to the Grand Canyon for some good rest, relaxation, and team bonding time. But Reed's manic mind can't quite disengage, and soon an obsessive side experiment he brought with him has all has all of them experiencing gruesome and terrifying side effects from his strange specimens. Uh, so everyone's bodies begin to horribly go awry uh, on a cellular level, and it's a race to solve their lethal affliction, all while stuck in a remote Arizona cabin with no help for miles. So this is this is what got me about this because it's like it's it's that cabin fever style horror, but with the Fantastic Four. And if you look at the cover as well, like the things that are going wrong with them, like the thing is falling to pieces, like bits of rock are falling off him and it's revealing the muscle and sinew underneath. And the invisible woman is going invisible in different stages. Like you can see inside her brain and like to her organs and things like that. And she can't control like what parts of her are visible and what parts aren't. This is some what-if body horror stuff. Yeah, man, it's great. Um, and, like, Reed Richards is melting. Uh, <laughs> and, and um, like, Johnny is just, like, on fire, but it looks like it hurts. So... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> He's, like, all blistered and stuff. It's great. Can't wait to read that. <laughs> this does look kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then this other one that I looked at, which was um, Modoc in his own book. 
So we have Modoc Head Games number one. So from Patton Oswalt and Jordan Bloom, showrunners of the upcoming animated Marvel's Modoc show on Hulu, comes a journey into the mind of one of the biggest heads in the Marvel universe, Modoc. He is literally, if, for anyone who's not familiar with Modoc, he's a head with arms and legs. Um, he's like an evil Humpty Dumpty with psychic powers. Um, he's, uh, he's, Modoc is the ruthless and brilliant leader of the terrorist organization AIM outsmarting heroes and outmaneuvering his cutthroat colleagues, gunning for his position. But when he begins to be haunted by memories of a family he never had, it leaves him unsure if he's losing his freakishly large mind, or if perhaps there's a lot more to his enormous mind, or if there is something more sinister behind those visions. So, yeah. Um, getting me some Modoc. I am up for reading that. And that is the end of the pull list. So that is... Uh, that is Ace Comicals episode 100. You can catch us in all the usual places. Twitter, Facebook, um, www.acecomicals.com. Twitter's where we're most active. If you want to get involved in the conversation, at us, DM us. Uh, we're always open. Uh, if you like what we've been talking about today, if you read any of what we've been talking about today and you want to tell us that you enjoyed it or you want to tell us that we were wrong and you didn't enjoy it, Tell us. <laughs> we want we want to talk about comics. It's what I want to do anyway. I want to talk about comics twenty four seven. So I'm always open for that kind of chat. Um, you can also find me on Twitter under at Bato. That's B A T T O U. Ray, where can we find you? Uh, on Twitter at Monke. That's M O O N K E H. And Leon, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Leon Everett. And uh, it's the first time I've been on the cast since the election. Uh, last time I was on, I asked people to vote. I begged <laughs> you to, and you did. So thank you. Yes. Um, we did, did we? Oh, we did talk about that, didn't we? Yeah, because Orange was sus and Orange got ejected. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah we touched um, on that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, that has been Ace Comicals over and out. Yeah, that's it. Ace Comicals over and out.